Tonight's reading is Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 15, which you'll find on page 17 of the Church Bible. But first, let me pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. For the examples of humanity, even in the greatest of our forebears, open our hearts and our minds to your message and guide and give wisdom to Martin as he speaks. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, Get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? they asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Let me just say by by way of prefix to this that um, this is a story, or an account in fact, uh, a narrative written about an event uh, just an afternoon 4,000 years ago. And um, uh, what an amazing thing to think that it is relevant to us here in Emmanuel uh, this evening. I I feel very conscious. I'm really looking forward to the things that some of you are going to be saying a bit later on. I feel very conscious that it is a a strange time and and for many of us a difficult time uh, in in the uh, Emmanuel at the moment. Uh, And yet this uh, passage is uh, so directly relevant. It's always good to remind ourselves of the gospel And this uh, passage just has the gospel right in it. And uh, I just hope that I can um, uh, undergo and bring that out this evening uh, in a way that uh, encourages and helps us. Uh, Let me just pray briefly before uh, saying more. 
Our Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this time uh, of, of fellowship and worship uh, together this evening. Lord, I pray that you would bless uh, all of us uh, as we listen to you. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, uh, though I stumble in my words, and um, Lord, that we would be uh, encouraged by this word and what follows later. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so if you've, um, if you've just come to this uh, kind of from cold and, and this is the only part of the Bible that you've uh, uh, ever read, you're just going to see uh, this story here. Uh, these three men uh, visiting uh, Abraham uh, and his wife, Sarah. You'll see Abraham uh, offering uh, hospitality uh, and then going away to organize it. Um, you'll see uh, one of the men telling Abraham uh, and Sarah, in fact, that they're going to have a son uh, in about a year's time. And you'll see Sarah uh, overhearing this, um, uh, but not believing it, um, because she's past the age of childbearing, and she laughs at the suggestion, uh, whether out of joy at uh, the idea, or because she's skeptical uh, that it can happen. So there's our story. But if you dig a bit deeper, uh, you'll see uh, a lot more. Um, you'll see some uh, uh, quite interesting uh, hospitality uh, customs. Um, I wonder if any of you have uh, traveled in the Middle East off the beaten track and experienced the kind of generous hospitality that we see uh, in this passage here. Um, Sarah and I have done that a bit more recently than 4,000 years ago. Um, but it seems that uh, some things don't change, that generosity, uh, the heat of the day, um, and, and, and what an offering it was that uh, Abraham gave to his visitors. There was meat, there was bread, there was curds, um, there was enough to feed 40 or 50 people, uh, if you do the maths on 16 seers uh, of flour. Um, so there must have been quite a lot left over. Um, and we know that Abraham had several hundred people in his household at the time, so there would have been a lot of mouths to, uh, to eat it up. Um, but he uh, put all this before those three men and then just stood by uh, watching them uh, uh, eat. Um, and so that's interesting, um, just to see that insight into Abraham's wealth and his herds and his servants and his, uh, that washing of feet and all, all, all that. Um, uh, that's, that's, that's interesting. But then there's more. We see uh, a glimpse into another world. Who were these visitors? Um, three men, yes, it says. Uh, and Abraham uh, addresses their leader as my Lord, uh, out of politeness, a customary politeness of the time. And you'll see in your Bibles that whenever Abraham addresses um, the leader as my Lord, it's spoke with lowercase letters. Um, it's just like Mr. or Sir, really. But you'll see that the narrator, when he refers, uh, when he talks, he says, the Lord appeared to Abraham, spelt with lowercase capitals, and uh, in your Bibles, because this is translated from the holy name of God himself, um, Yahweh or Jehovah, sometimes we, we call it in English. And so um, this is God himself who's visiting and if you look at uh, the end of the chapter here, it will say the Lord uh, left Abraham. And then in chapter 19, it says the two angels carried on 
So the, 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 the Lord God is with two angels. And this gives us a glimpse um, into uh, another world, doesn't it? Um, a, a world of God and angels come down or appeared to Abraham uh, on that day. And we'll have to look into that as, uh, in a few minutes' time. And then what you'll see is that there is this uh, apparently impossible promise that Sarah was going to have a son in a year's time. And, of course, this promise is actually the key point uh, of their visit. Um, uh, and you'll, uh, if you've been with us, you'll know that the accounts in Genesis here uh, tell us that Sarah was an attractive and beautiful woman, but also that she was well beyond childbearing age. Um, she'd been married to Abraham for many years, uh, without having children. And Abraham himself, I, I just want to say this in case anybody thinks there's any skullduggery going on here, Abraham himself uh, was uh, able to have children. Um, he'd had uh, a son, Ishmael, uh, by uh, Sarah's servant, Hagar. Um, and so uh, there's no question about... Um, any kind of shenanigans or skullduggery here. The fact is that Abraham and Sarah were not having children. Um, and so when it, this was promised, uh, it's kind of no wonder that she left. Um, she knew that she wouldn't, in all uh, human uh, expectation, be able to have a son. I sometimes feel that if somebody told me I could see well enough to drive, or even to recognize some of you sitting at the back of the church here, I would laugh in a similar way. I'd love it, but it hasn't happened, um, and it seems improbable. And so Sarah laughed. Um, uh, and so we, we need to look into that. There's something apparently impossible here, and we need to look a little bit further into that. If you read uh, the story in context, you'll see that there is more to it um, than uh, just um, this uh, promise of a son. You'll see, you'll know that this incident was part of an unfolding plan. And that plan was that God would make Abraham into a great nation. And through that nation, the whole world would be blessed. You see that right at the turn of chapter 12, uh, where God makes promises to Abraham. And actually, Sarah is introduced uh, back there as well. And even back there, she's introduced as not being able to have children. And that promise is repeated as we go on through the chapters up to here. And, um, and it becomes clear that this uh, nation that Abraham is to found, I mean, you know, I, I work for a company with 60,000 people in it, and none of them is descended from the founder. So you can gather a big crowd without having descendants, can't you? But this nation was going to be descended from Abraham. It says that, first of all, it's going to be your son from your body, and then it says, by your wife Sarah, from her body too. And so this is going to be a biological uh, um, family, um, and so that needed a son. I suppose it, uh, a daughter, uh, a son or a daughter, it needed one of them. It was going to be a son. And that son was born a year later um, uh, and named Isaac. And uh, What a great name. It means he laughs. Uh, reflecting uh, what an amazing thing it was that he should be born. And in due time, uh, Jesus Christ was born a descendant uh, of Abraham and Sarah through Isaac. And um, we are here today 
because of the blessings that he brought to the whole world. So we are even a part of that plan um, that was unfolding that afternoon uh, in uh, the Promised Land all those years ago. So what I want to do is just take us through uh, some of those uh, things and, um, and get us to, uh, to, to just, just dwell on each of them uh, in turn. So we have these, yeah, we have these things. And uh, the, well, the first one I'm going to look at is that um, there is this apparently impossible promise. And so um, as Christians, our whole faith is actually based uh, on, a, on an apparently uh, impossible promise. But we do have good reasons to believe it. Um, and that promise is the promise of eternal life, life with God uh, in heaven, uh, even after our mortal bodies uh, have died. And the good reason to believe that is um, that Jesus Christ himself was raised from the dead. Um, and there's good reason to believe that too. And, um, and, and so uh, this faith of Abraham, um, by, by which he believed the promise gave to him, uh, that God gave to him that day, is connected with the faith that we have uh, in the promises that we live by uh, just now. There's actually a place where uh, Paul makes that comparison quite directly. If you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Um, uh, Paul says that, um, yes, it's written in the Bible, I, God said, I have made you, Abraham, a father of many nations. Uh, he is our, Abraham is our father in the sight of God. And what does it say about God, the God in whom he believed, is the God who gives life to the dead, as he gives that to us, and he gave that to Jesus, and the God who calls into being things that were not, um, as, he gave that, uh, as he gave that baby to Abraham and Sarah. And so um, our faith is similar to uh, Abraham's faith. And Paul actually goes on to describe that faith. It was not a, um, a what you might call a simple faith. It says, against all hope. Yeah, it wasn't really what Abraham was expecting. Abraham, in hope, believed. And so he became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. And I think this is the key thing here, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And so um, uh, this is the faith that Abraham had. Uh, and this is uh, our faith that we believe that God has got the power to do uh, what he promised. And as we find ourselves um, in a, a time when uh, many of us are worried or grieving, um, uh, and those worries are real uh, uh, and deep, uh, and, and, and that grief is too, um, 
let's remember, as, as Paul said in, in the letter to the Thessalonians, that we don't grieve or worry uh, like other people who have no hope, who don't have this hope, because we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we will bring, uh, believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have died in him as if they had simply fallen asleep. So, um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't too hard for the Lord to give Sarah a son, and it isn't too hard. It wasn't too hard for Jesus to be raised from the dead. We couldn't do that. It wasn't too hard for the Lord. And so it's not too hard also for him to give new life. And I, and I hope that that does give us comfort in our worries uh, and in our grief. The next thing that we have here um, is, let me just check, that should have gone on one more. Yeah, that's it. Um, is a glimpse into another world. Um, so as I said, this delegation um, is from the Lord God and two angels. And um, I suppose quite a lot could be said about this, but I just want to say um, uh, quite a simple thing, really. This gives us a glimpse into a spiritual world that relates to us as humans and which we are also a part of. Um, so we see, in this case, God and two angels, whose home is in the spiritual world, as it were, appearing in the material world. And the comfort that we have from this is that this is actually not one way. Um, we have souls and spirits too, and our bodies are not all that there is. Our bodies are mortal, um, but our, our souls, our spirits are not. And when we worry about our bodies and, and their health, let's look forward to that time when we will see God face to face and we will worship him as the angels do. The next thing is that this is part of a plan. And... Um, uh, as I said, that you, if you zoom right in here, the plan was uh, to give Abraham and Sarah their own biological son. Um, zoom out a little bit, and we'll see that that in turn was a part of God's plan to bless the whole world through Abraham's descendants. What I want to do now is in a sense to zoom out even further um, really the absolutely back end of a telescope zoom out um, and to see God's great plan for the whole world. There is something great, isn't there, about being in a plan, um, especially uh, if you're uh, kind of on the winning team. Um, there's something, and if you can make a difference to it, there's something great about feeling that you're in a part of that plan. And that is exactly the situation that we are in as Christians um, there are a lot of people who don't believe that. Um, their belief is something like this. They sort of sit and think about the world like that uh, statue that we very nearly saw in Paris a week ago. Um, and they, uh, 
and, and, they, and they look at the world and they see nice things uh, and they see horrible things. Um, and uh, actually there's a very vivid description of this kind of view of the world um, uh, in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible uh, where the teacher at least portrays himself as thinking like, uh, like this uh, uh, fellow here. He looks out into the world and he sees those nice things and horrible things. And in fact, they're all mixed up. It's interesting, in the book of Ecclesiastes, they are also all mixed up too. Um, and they're all mixed up in our experience, aren't they? Those things in the world that, um, that, are, that are nice. There's, there's, there's pleasure, there's pain, uh, there's evil on the one hand and quite selfless care on the other. There's love and there's hate. Um, there's freedom and there's oppression. Um, there's new life and growth and strength. And there's weakness and there's decay and there's death. And we see all of those things. And many people believe that that's, that's the thing. That, 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 and, and it's all there and, and there's no plan. And they enjoy the good times. And they kind of put up with the bad times. Um, and, and, and that's the way... Um, that a lot of people feel about the world. But if, if you uh, open the Bible and you look at what the Bible says, um, you see something different. Um, you see that there is a reason and there is a, and there is a, a, a place where it's going um, for, the, for the way that things are in the world today. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're still... Um, so we've still got our eyes open. These are still the things that we see and, 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 and we think about. But the world was created good. Um, uh, sin and evil came into the world through the fall. And in itself, that accounts for a lot of what we see in the world today. But not all. Because the very moment from the fall, God started to reveal his plan of salvation and of judgment to uh, save people from their sins, to be kind to us despite the sin in the world, but also of judgment, to, um, uh, to judge uh, people who stick with sin and to uh, judge the, the, the and, and to, in the end, to right wrongs through judgment in the world. We actually see this in the book of Genesis. The next uh, two chapters are very sobering on that front. Um, and, but, so we see these four things going on in the world. Uh, creation and fall, salvation and judgment. And it's part of the context of the world we live in. Um, now, there are some key moments in this plan. There's the moment when uh, that very afternoon, the promise to Abraham uh, that we are looking at today, there is the, uh, um, and there is the, when Jesus came into the world and the gospel started to spread more than it had ever done before. But it isn't all, and it isn't all resolved yet, uh, and there are still some big questions uh, that, 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 that trouble us, I suppose. Um, we don't know why the fall occurred. We don't know why doesn't God resolve all wrongs straight away, and we don't know why uh, when uh, that resolution will happen. But we do know what the trajectory is. And this is a great thing to know. Um, uh, when we feel ourselves in the middle 
of that uh, picture there. It is great to know that God has a plan. Uh, He started executing on that plan the moment, uh, or revealing that plan, the moment after the fall, in what he said to uh, Adam and Eve and the serpent afterwards, and and to Abraham and and through Jesus Christ and through the prophets throughout the, the biblical history. It's good to know that there is a plan. Um, and uh, here we are today uh, included uh, in that plan. Um, so I hope that will take, help us to take heart uh, if we are there. I hope it will help us to uh, renew our trust in God or maybe even make us think uh, for the first time that yes, it would be good to trust God um, because this is his plan. Finally, um, let me come back. Is this working or did I slip an extra thing in? Yeah, let's just come back to this uh, hospitality. So I said the hospitality was interesting and I sort of said it from a bit of an academic point of view that it was interesting to see how people did hospitality 4,000 years ago in the Middle East. But I bet it was far more interesting um, to uh, listen to the conversation and the chat that they had Uh, during that afternoon Um, and uh, uh, I I just want to actually say um, isn't this a wonderful thing that hospitality and having people uh, for a meal whether it's a grand meal like this one uh, or whether it's just a quick uh, you know reheat between uh, um, work in the evening and going out uh, having people around for a meal is such a wonderful thing Uh, a chance to talk maybe about some of those big things that we were looking at there, a chance to talk about um, God's plans, a a chance to talk about God's work in the world, and, of course, a chance to catch up with each other. There's a beautiful place um, in uh, Hebrews, in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 13, um, where the writer says uh, uh, to his uh, readers, he says, "'Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters,' And don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So he goes right back to this passage and says, um, you know, uh, show hospitality because um, that's a great way uh, of showing fellowship. Now, I suppose you could say that, uh, you know, not every uh, visitor is an angel. but uh, uh, and 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 we and we want to feel comfortable when we're being hospitable. But um, uh, what a great opportunity it is to share that fellowship um, and to uh, to talk about um, yeah to talk about God and to uh, encourage each other uh, in our joys uh, and uh, and in our in our troubles. I just by the way while I'm talking about talking about. Uh, I'm very happy to uh, um, you know, answer any questions or, or chat about any of the things I've said this evening uh, after the service as well, uh, as I'm sure would be uh, uh, Ed and Andrew. Um, so um, I hope that's been a, it's been a, a quick tour, um, but I hope it's been encouraging um, uh, through this uh, through this chapter. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Uh, what a question. Um, 
And my prayer uh, is that Abraham's faith would be our faith and that whether we are uh, happy at the moment uh, or worried, uh, that we would be able to laugh uh, like Sarah when we see God's promises fulfilled. Amen.